Stormester skal finde den mindst udulige ah! af de mest udulige. Hej, Mark. Lidt færdig. Sammen to papkasser. Åh, oh, nej, Mark. Må jeg ikke ringe til min mor? Stormester. En chance til. Det er ikke på nogen måde behageligt. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Velkommen til denne specialudgave af NBA-podcasten her på TV2 Sports. Mit navn er Thomas Bilde, og jeg vil præsentere en gæst, som vi havde på besøg fra NBA i København inden sommerferien. Navnet er selvfølgelig Josh Richardson. På det tidspunkt spillede han for Miami Heat over sommeren. Ja, der vil de fleste nok vide, at han nu er blevet traded til Philadelphia 76ers. Men han var her altså i samarbejde med Børnebasketfonden, der havde fået bragt en NBA-spiller ind til at lave nogle camps, og ikke mindst til at snakke med publikum og lave denne podcast i game. Men der var altså lidt knas med lyden, det kan vi lige så godt være ærlige at sige, der var nogle på mikrofoner, der ikke helt vi det samme, som vi gerne ville. Derfor så endte det med at blive en håndmik, og derfor blev det også svært at høre, hvad publikum de sagde. Nogle af spørgsmålene er klippet ud, simpelthen fordi man ikke kunne høre dem. Andre de blev gentaget, og nogle af dem har jeg lavet stå. Og så må man se, om man kan sjuske frem til det, så man ligesom kan høre, hvad der bliver svaret fra Josh Richardson. Jeg håber, det hele giver mening, og I vil nyde podcasten. Her er det Josh Richardson, præsenteret sammen med Børnebasketfonden. Du lytter til NBA-podcasten fra TV2 Sport. Oh, ja, han gør det! Ja, ja, ja! ja! Er du så færdig et godt blot? Endnu en skrælser! Monsterdunk ind igennem midten! Sikke et spil! Her fra Miami Heat, Josh Richardson! Woo! So, so this is my job. This is what I do. I'm not happy about sharing the mic, so so you got to be careful with it. But we only got this one mic now, so we're going to share it. Can you take us through your growing up, first of all? I mean, I know you grew up in Oklahoma, but the household, where did you come from, and, and when did you start playing basketball? So I'm from Edmond, Oklahoma. Um, it's like a small kind of suburb outside of Oklahoma City. Um, first of all, I should clear this up early. My mother was in the military for 25 years. So, yeah. 
So growing up, my house was very strict, very discipline, disciplinarian. And uh, so in every, every aspect, it was like everything had to be on point. But um, growing up, actually, that's my best friend from when I was like three years old right here. That's Chad. And he came on a trip with me. But I started playing basketball when I was probably about six, six years old. And I've really just been playing ever since. So if your mama saw you with your T-shirt hanging out, would she be okay with that? Or did you have to have it tucked in? I mean, with the military background and all. No, nah, my, my mom wouldn't understand. She untucks her shirts too sometimes. <laughs> we asked the same question. He's been out talking to kids earlier today out in Gentofte. And, uh, and they, we were talking about this too. But you say, I mean, they're not staying at home, but they're, they're pretty close to you. I mean, they, they're not letting go of you. They've always been close to me, and um, now that I live in Miami, they like to take advantage of the nice weather. And so I've designated them a bedroom in my house, so whenever they come, they know that's their place. And it's like probably like five times a month. Like they, they basically live in my house at this point now. Uh, we've, we've heard Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, having the, living with their moms or with their families. Uh, I mean, one thing is we can smile about it and joke a little bit about it, but also the comfort and uh, I don't know if I want to say security, but I mean, there is some some comfort to it, isn't there? Uh, definitely, just having that immediate family um, in a completely different place with you is always is always great. You know, you can come back to them, and uh, you know, my mom and dad like to cook sometimes, so it's cool to come home to one of those meals every now and then. <laughs> We know, we know Chad is, uh, I mean, you know him since you were three. Uh, is it hard getting new friends? I mean, you, you become famous. Uh, I mean, college, you played four years, I know, but, but NBA-wise, I mean, I guess there's a lot, you got a lot of new friends here, uh, if you need any. <laughs> but, but we always hear about the, the posse or the hangarounds and the people who are trying to get a piece of the NBA player. Is it hard to get new friends or trust people in that sense? Yeah, um, it's, you definitely have to be very careful, you know, with with people trying to befriend you or trying to be cool with you for the, with the wrong intentions. But you know, myself and our friend group we're very tight knit. Um, it's five of us. It's always been the five of us since we were small. So uh, I made some new friends in Miami, and there's probably four of those guys, so we've mixed our friend groups, and so now we're all just kind of stay within that. The sodas, I don't know if we could hear, there, there was something with the, with the sound, but this is not soda, this is beer, and I know there's a soda over there if you need it, but a lot of these guys in here are, are on the cans, and, uh, and one word we need to teach you, and, and Middleton perfected it last year, so I have high expectations for you, is uh, school. School. Can you say that? I mean, it's a different, I know it's a different language or different letters, but can you try give it a, a go? Skull. Skull. Oh. They, they like it. They like it. So I, I better get in there too. I mean, it's, uh, it's Danish hospitality. So, so you say, what did you say? Skull. It's going to be a long night, but fun night. Fun night. <laughs> Coming out of high school in a fairly small town, if people know, he played for Tennessee, which is a, a big school uh, on the college scene. He was there for four years, which is uh, 
Some would say unusual for a guy who is the leading scorer of an NBA team. I know there's been a lot of guys blossoming late. We saw Toronto Raptors just winning the championship with no lottery picks uh, in, the, on the, in the starting lineup. But for you, I mean, when did you realize that, you know, taking that next step was actually uh, an opportunity and, and maybe living out that dream? Or when was it actually becoming a dream for you? Because uh, I kind of understand that was not always uh, an NBA dream you had. Yeah, no, I didn't really think the NBA was like a realistic thing until probably my junior year of college. Um, we went to the NCAA tournament that year and I averaged like 25 points a game. Uh, we went to the Sweet 16, and that's when people kind of started telling me like I had an opportunity to go to the NBA, and I started taking things a little bit more seriously then. So, so you were not serious before, or were you just enjoying the college life? I mean, I was in college to be a surgeon at first, so I was like, I love playing basketball because I'm very competitive, and I love the competitiveness of that, but I mean, I was really there for school at first, and I understood that, and then it just kind of flipped. And what did your mom and dad say when, when you changed? Because you changed their <laughs> major. Yeah, I changed my major uh, after my junior year, and uh, it took some convincing from my mom. Uh, I had to talk to her a couple of times about it, <laughs> but she eventually understood, and uh, yeah, I mean, they backed me on it 100%. But you also graduated. Uh, I mean, you got a degree, you changed to psychology. Why, why did you make that change? Was it easier on the school side? Was it more something you could use in the future? What, what, what made you change uh, your major? Uh, psychology, okay, so I was pre-med and kinesiology at first, and then um, psychology was like the closest major to that that was easier, but I could still like carry classes if I wanted to go to medical school at any time in the future. And then there's probably some guys, I know there's some coaches here who's been recruiting players earlier, who's getting college players to come here if they're not good enough for the NBA. And we know, we hear stories that college life is easy. If you're good enough as a basketball player, it's easy. You get carried through. Is that true? Do you, do you get carried through? Is it easier to be an athlete than just being a, a regular student? Watch out. <laughs> No, I just say we do get a lot of resources. Like if you use those resources correctly, then yeah, it's, it's a little bit easier because we have, you know, a whole student athlete center only for us. We had like a bazillion tutors that worked there for every class that we could, you know, go there every day. And, and then they forced us to be in there like six hours a week anyways. So, I mean, instead of just sitting there not doing anything, you could just be studying or getting work done. So it's kind of kind of forced on you now that I think about it. <laughs> if, uh, if you could have made that choice yourself, would you have kept on studying or would you have said, ah, no, let me just go to the NBA. I'm ready. I mean, you, I know the draft thing. I mean, the interest came a little later. But if the interest had been there, uh, would you have done a one and done? Would you have done two years? I would have left. I would have left the ASAP. <laughs> and then thinking about your mama again, what would she have said? Uh, it would have took some convincing again. <laughs> 
But of, of course, they, they enjoy the, the financial part of it too. I mean, you're secure, you're set, you've set your family, and probably the next generation as well. Um, so, so some good has come out uh, of a talent like that. Um, the NBA, you got drafted in 15, uh, in the second round, being number 40. We have, we've, had, we've had a couple of players over here, and, and Drummond was supposed to go, I think, four or five in his head, and he, he ended up, I think, going nine. So he had a hard time. I mean, there's been a lot of hype on him. But you going in the second round, uh, were you just excited that it happened, or were you disappointed that it, that it fell, fell to 40? Um, honestly, when it happened, I was kind of in shock because... I, w I went to pre-draft camp in California for like two months before the draft, and I was out there with guys like Stanley Johnson, Kelly Oubre, uh, Jalil Okafor, you know, guys that were lottery picks. So I w really just watched the draft to watch them get drafted. And so, like, because we, we all became brothers, we all became friends from competing against each other. And I was texting all those guys like, yo, you got drafted, this is awesome. And then my agent called me, after the 38th pick and was like, I think the Heat want to draft you at 40. And I, I like hung up on him. I was like, bro, stop playing. Like, this is not the time for that. And then like my name scrolled across the screen and like, it was crazy. Like we, I like ran through the house and like- So you're sitting at home? Yeah, I didn't even go to the draft. I sat at home with my parents, uh, <laughs> like three of my, my friends. Chad was in Tennessee, but like we, he FaceTimed me as soon as it happened. But yeah, it was like, it was surreal. So, so you're running around, but what goes through your mind? I mean. Honestly, I think I blacked out for like 10 minutes. Like, I don't remember. Like, there's like a piece in there. Like, I just don't remember. You have a screenshot? No, no, no screenshots. No, I just, no, no. nothing. <laughs> One date sticks out, I think, when we look at your, uh, your resume. December 30th, uh, 2015. Uh, rookie season. You know what happened that day? Except it's pretty close to New Year. No. You got sent to CO uh, Fall, the, the G League team, or D, uh, the Development League team, Sioux Falls. What happens when an NBA player who've made it and gotten some minutes gets sent down? I mean, can you take us through that process? Actually, when that happened, I had been asking Coach to send me there because it's hard, like, when you go from college, being a man, and, like, playing every minute of the game. And then I got to the NBA, and I was on the bench in a suit for the first 40 games. Like, I, I would play, like, two minutes every, like, two weeks. So it was hard, like, having to transition to that. So I was like, can you guys, like, send me down? Like, I just want to play. I want to, you know, sometimes, like, you start doubting yourself. And so there were points at that year where I was like, wonder if I could still play, like if I was still good at basketball. So being able to be able to go to Sioux Falls just helped, helped my confidence a lot. I went down there and I played well. And then for some reason, like everybody on my team got hurt right after, like as soon as I went down, like all three of our point guards got hurt. And so they called me right back up and I was starting at point guard and then Steph Curry scored 40 points on me. <laughs> Skull. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Skull. Oh, I better drink this one.
Um, I mean, we can read a lot of stuff on the internet. We can see a lot of interviews. Social media obviously uh, gets gets us closer to players like you. But some of the stuff we see on TV, and I see a lot of NBA games uh, and call a lot of NBA games. We see all these wired stuff with the coaches and some of the, the wired stuff with the players. The players, I think, is, is a little bit more realistic, but I, I'm guessing there's a lot of beeping out as well. When we see a timeout for a coach, I'm betting this guy right there, he could be the coach. Uh, for, for, no, I mean, I mean this guy too, or this girl, I don't know. You know, make the shots. We got to make shots. We got to rebound. We got to run fast. Is that what they're saying in the timeouts, or, or how is the timeout actually working? Uh, okay, our timeouts are a little different. Like, so, first of all, when Spo calls timeouts, he walks, like, out to half court, like, while the game's going. And the refs always, like, almost give him technicals because he's out on the court so far. But we sit down, and the coaches kind of go out and just let us handle the first part of the huddle, like, clear up whatever needs to be cleared up. And then Spo will just kind of walk in and look at us and be like, you guys good? You guys got everything clear? And we're like, yeah, or we're like, no. <laughs> and he handles it from there. And uh, then he'll just draw a play up and uh, just go from there. Like, he doesn't really, like, but, yeah but or is anything. It, is it a play, like, we know Steph is cheating on this end, but we're going to go this way? Or uh, what are you guys talking about? Is it all plays that you plan uh, prior? No, it's usually uh, plays, like, he'll game plan. Like, he'll read the game. Like, if something's happening, say guys are switching, then he'll drop a play to exploit that. Or, like, if they're going on a run, like, we'll probably trap somebody from there. Mm -hmm. Or just making a small adjustments. Is he cousin? They, they won't tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoke cusses a lot. But he never yells, so it's like, it's cool. Like, we, it doesn't really bother us. Because, like, he's, like, talking to us. Like, I'm talking to you guys right now. Like, he'll just sit down say about 30 cuss words, but it's like nice cuss words. <laughs> if that makes sense. So, so one thing, you're coming out of college and the, the best played or paid on the team is the coach. Uh, the, I mean, some states, the football coach and the basketball coach are the best play, uh, paid uh, persons in the, like, in the state. Uh, then you go to the NBA and then the players are like, making a lot more money. So that transition from being a guy who's looking up to the coach, knowing this coach is going to take me somewhere, and now looking at the next coach. I mean, I know Spolstra is a well-respected coach uh, and the, the longest tenured coach, I think, too, in the NBA right now. Been with the team for the longest time of any. Uh, of course, Popovich uh, and then Spolstra. Uh, I mean, how does that transition work? And is there some players who have that hard time adjusting to that? Um, honestly, I never really thought about that until right now because, like, like the NBA is about professionalism, you know, so there's just that respect factor there for the coach that everybody knows, like, whatever coach says goes. But with Spo, he's very open-minded, so it's like a, it's like a mutual thing with, with us. So, like, we'll tell him things we're seeing. He'll tell us things that he's seeing, and we'll work on it like that. And what's cool about Spo is, like, every now and then, like, the flip will, or the switch will flip, and he'll kind of freak out a little bit. And, like, the cool thing about him is, like, he'll let us, like, grab him and be like, calm down. Like, 
there's more important things right now. And he'll literally just like snap back into it and like just be chill again. So coach is just very even, but he lets us bring him back if he gets out of pocket. And he started out low, worked his way up, uh, and now, I mean, the head coach and with a, a couple of championships as well under his belt. But it was kind of Pat Riley taking him in, uh, being his disciple in some way. Can you see a lot of Pat Riley in him, or is he, is he his own and they just connected? Um, I think some of his schemes are kind of like Pat Riley. His defensive principles are very physical, very, very um, pride-based, if that makes sense, kind of like Coach Riley. And, uh, but he's very different at the same time. Like, Coach Riley's very militant. And like my way or the highway, and Spo is very like open-minded. He'll work with you, but Pat still comes down to practice every now and then and watch. And sometimes he'll like line us up on the wall and just like come talk to us, which is cool. But he stays involved. He lines you up on the wall. That sounds like something your mama would have done. I mean, is, are, we, are we talking military-wise? Lines you up on the wall, start talking, or? And how does that whole thing work? Because we know we, what he did with the Knicks, that he wanted, I mean, everyone to roughen up uh, Bad Boys 2.0 or something. Uh, and I know you guys are one of the most fit teams in the NBA. You really work out uh, a lot, work on your conditioning. Is, is, is he in on that? Is people working harder when Pat Riley comes in? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it's crazy because with us, it's almost like, you don't want to get injured. Like, you do not want to get hurt if you play for the Heat because you're probably not going to travel on the next couple road trips if you're injured because you have to stay back and rehab. But sometimes Coach Riley comes down and runs your workouts. And if you are by yourself in the gym with Pat Riley, God help you. <laughs> because he will run you into the ground. But... I mean, that's just how he does things, and it's, it works. So that's why I don't ever get hurt. That's my thing. I, usually, I, just, I would rather play through the pain. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Put me in, coach. Um, teammates, these guys, they probably want to know about teammates. We're going to open up for questions in a little bit, so, so get ready for them. But teammates, uh, you played your whole career for the Miami Heat, but obviously you heard stories, you met players, but... Some of the cooler teammates, some of the more fun teammates. Uh, who do we need to name drop here? Is there any good stories you can share? Ah, oh, good stories. First of all, the funniest person I've ever met is Amari Stoudemire because... The one with the fire extension. Yeah, with the what? The, the fire, didn't he hit the fire extension? Amari Stoudemire? He broke his hand. Wasn't that in Miami? What? Florida, England, the, with the uh, Knicks, with the Knicks. He did it with the Knicks. Okay, he did it with the Knicks. Nah, I would, he only played with us for one year. But I have so many stories about this guy, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw him out there. But he's just so funny because he doesn't think he's funny and he doesn't try to be funny. And I feel like that's always the funniest people. And we'll just leave it at that. Um Luol Deng was his locker was next to mine. And he was like my vet my rookie year. So he kind of took me under his wing. Um, I got my style from him, actually. I think he dresses very well. <laughs> um, but my, my best friends on the team now are Bam Adebayo and Justice Winslow. 
Those are like my guys. We always run together. We call the hmm. Long story why, but all the other teammates kind of hate on us because they kind of want to be in our group, but we don't let them. We might let Derek Jones in, though, this summer. Don't tell anyone I told you guys that. We like Derek Jones. I mean, on the highlight side, he, uh, is he the most athletic guy on the team? I mean, is he the guy who does some crazy stuff? I mean, Adebayo can probably surprise a lot of people, too, but he's big. But, but, but in practice, who does the weirdest stuff in, in the air? So these two guys literally, first of all, they're both like 20 years old, so they're young. And we, we can go through like a whole practice, like two-hour practice, like, and we're all dead. You know, normal guys, if you go through two-hour practice, what are you going to do? We walk off the court. Oh, God, I'm so tired. I want to take a shower. I want to go home, like normal people. And we're like walking off the court, and Bam and Derek are like on the goal over here playing dunk horse. <laughs> like... <laughs> Doing 360 between the legs dunks, like, after practice, and it's just, like, the craziest thing ever. But um, probably Derek. Derek, I've seen Derek windmill from the free throw line. And I, he wasn't in the dunk contest this year because his knee got hurt. But I will, I'll bet all the money in my bank account on Derek Jones next year in the dunk contest. You, you heard that. There's one thing, you, you mentioned the locker room, the, the next locker to you. Obviously, Dwayne Wade probably had a little bit to say. The Miami Heat locker room is round. It's, it's pretty nice, but it's a round one. And then there's a, there's a blackboard, and then there's doors out to, to the showers, and then out to the arena. But, but who wants to sit where? I mean, if you go left of the blackboard, you got an exit, I believe. You can go out pretty quick and, and leave the press. But you can also be close to the shower, so maybe you don't have to go through all the media when, when they're in there. Who picks out the lockers? Who, who gets first pick? It's, the lockers are kind of like a constant transition. Like when someone gets traded or something, like their name tag will get taken off. And then pretty much just the new guy kind of takes it, which sucks because my locker is by two rookies right now. <laughs> so I'm going to have to have some, some talks with some people about that. But... Hassan sits next to the shower. Um, D-Wade actually had two lockers. <laughs> and everybody, everybody kind of knew. And UD had two lockers, too. They were, like, in the same corner. So it was just, like, a corner that nobody really went to. And every road trip, they both had two lockers. It was, like, it'd be, like, all of our lockers. Like, and we would be, like, in our lockers, like, squeezed, like, trying to change for the game. And, like, D-Wade and UD are over there just, like, lounging. <laughs> And, oh, my rookie year in Boston, actually. I didn't know that UD had two lockers. And UD isn't the nicest person in the world a lot of the time. Really? So, like, I put, I come in. I, I'm on the, I, I was on the first bus my rookie year, so that's like three hours before the game. So I come in, I change. I put my backpack in the middle locker. And it's like UD, middle, me. So I'm like, okay, cool, like, extra locker. I put my backpack there. I go warm up or whatever. I'm walking back to the locker room. <laughs> and uh, people on my team, Gerald Green was on our team my rookie year, and I walk past him in the locker room as I'm going back, and he just gives me this look like. <laughs> and I was like, that's weird. And I, I keep walking, and I see D-Wade, and he's like. <laughs> so I'm like, what? And so I walk in, and all, 
all my stuff from my backpack is poured out, like, in my chair, and there's this giant note in front of my locker that's like, Rook, bleep, 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 don't ever put your stuff in my extra locker again. Cuss word, cuss word, cuss word. I will beat the crap out of you and put popcorn in your car till it falls out when you let the windows down. And I was just like, <laughs> note taken. Harvey, it's possible. I should give him a hand. We got it going. That's good. Well, good job. Good job. We're not done. Taking questions. This is Danish for we're happy. We're happy where we're going right now. Is there a question? Yep. Are you already focusing on your career after the NBA? Um, right now, I'm pretty much just basketball. Um, I DJ sometimes on occasion. He's a fuck fan. Yeah, that shirt is terrible, bro. You gotta, t gotta take that off. But nah, not really anything huge yet, but. I've started, you know, talking to some people, doing some investments, things like that. So hopefully I figure something out. I might just come here and DJ after I get done for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, come on. I'm happy you said league, because otherwise Definitely here. <laughs> no. Uh James Harden. James Harden, Damian Lillard. For me, that's my two toughest covers just because James is so good at drawing contact, drawing fouls, with the step back that he's so good at, you know, you know, call it what you want. Uh, but, I mean, that's a tough shot to make. And then Damian, just because he's so good with angles, you take one wrong step and he's past you, he's really quick, and he's very aggressive at all times. We saw this year uh, going into the playoffs, I know he's been working a lot on the long bombs, the long shots, uh, but, but that next one where he's, where he's actually set, but he, he kind of waits and then he goes up. I mean, that, I mean, can you take us through how hard is it making that shot on a consistent basis, also being guarded by, uh, I mean, great defenders? It's tough because it takes a lot of strength to be able to, you know, get that ball all the way to the rim. And even with the, the, you know, the 32-foot shots that he was hitting, like, at a 60% clip in the playoffs, like, that's unheard of at this point, besides him and Steph. So, those guys are definitely changing the game right now. Was it a good shot against the Thunder? It went in. <laughs> it was a great shot to me. <laughs> um, well, I was actually sitting at home a couple weeks ago, and my agent texted me and said, asked me if I wanted to come do this. And I don't like long plane rides normally, so I hadn't really traveled very far in the last like five years. So I thought about it for a little bit, but I eventually, you know, figured it would be a good thing to do to come over here and meet you guys. So yeah, I accepted it. Favorite meal? Guess. Nachos. <laughs> it's a meal, trust me. Is that a cheat meal or is that? Yeah, I can't. I can't eat that 
very often at all, which is frustrating. But when I get my hands on some nachos, though, it's, it's ugly. We talked earlier today as well, and um, I name-dropped a guy, and you talked food suddenly. Uh, we all, I don't know if you all know, but some of us know a guy named Birdman, uh, Chris Anderson. His dad was Danish, his mom American. He never set foot on Danish soil. He's never been here, but when we met him and talked to him, I'm a proud Viking. You know, he, he's all into it. But you're teammates with him. He had a truck, I mean, a semi-truck kind of deal as a car, too. Uh, I know he spent a lot of money, and uh, he'd done some funny stuff, and he, he's admitting to a lot of it, but what kind of guy was he? I mean, it's one of our claims to the NBA being half Danish. Uh, Birdman was really funny. He's like a jokester. He just jokes all the time. Um, first of all, his trucks were so big that he had to, like, park them on the side of the arena because they couldn't fit into the player's garage which makes no sense. And then he had like this Corvette that sounded like an airplane when he turned it on. I actually rode with him in it, which is the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> At night, the windshield was tinted like completely black. I couldn't see. And he's just going like 90 miles an hour in like a 40 mile per hour like zone. And um, but. That's how we roll here. Nah, no. And no, nah, he's great though, but funny story. My rookie year, we're in Golden State playing against the Warriors, like a heated game, like it's close. We're all like, tensions are high. We're walking in the locker room at halftime. And I look over and I see him biting into the largest cheeseburger I have ever seen in my life at the middle of a game. And he came out the second half and played like nothing even happened. And from then on, we called him the Iron Stomach. You call him? The Iron Stomach. <laughs> yep, special. How is it to be a rookie, or how was it to be a rookie for you in the NBA? Being a rookie in the NBA sucks. <laughs> um, you don't get any calls. The older guys mess with you. Like, I had to carry, like, a stupid backpack my rookie year for no reason. I carried Chris Bosch's guitar case. <laughs> But that was cool, though, because he gave me, like, $400 every road trip to carry it, so it was okay. <laughs> but uh, half the time, the guitar wasn't even in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's a, they made us sing happy birthday, like, over the loudspeaker, like, on the airplane every time it was somebody's birthday. Um, they would let us run out onto the court, and then they would stay back, and then we'd be out there, the only people out there in warm-ups, and they would just laugh at us. It was just a lot of different things, but, you know, after that rookie life is over, it gets smooth. For we know also that after a rookie contract, when you come in the NBA, so you get a rookie contract, and that is set after where you get taken in the draft, if you get taken first, so you get no more money. Men stadigvæk ikke helt meget. And uh, after your rookie contract, you signed a four-year deal, about 42, 42 million dollars, 250, 60 millioner danske kroner, hvis vi oversætter. Uh, I know you almost had a blackout when you got drafted, uh, being number 40, second round. But when that four-year contract was a deal, done deal, and you had it, was that another blackout, or uh, how did that make you feel? After it was signed, I was good. Like, when I signed it, it wasn't a big deal. But when 
they called me and offered it, I I was I kind of had a moment. I kind of threw up a little bit, <laughs> not a lot. And then I kind of I was I actually talked to like some of my mentors, some of the guys that kind of like help help you know bring me up for a while about it. I talked to Chris Bosch, who's like one of my mentors about it for a while, and uh, yeah, I mean I came to the decision that it would be logical to sign that instead what, of just waiting. What 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 was what were the options? I mean, were you looking to go somewhere else or? Uh, I mean, it was an extension, so it was like after my second season. So I had one more year after that, and if I wouldn't have signed that, then I could have played that next year and became an uh, unrestricted free agent. Mm -hmm. But I'm not really like the gambling type, so I just kind of figured it would be smarter just to sign that and figure it out as I went. All uh, the Hyperdunk 2008. Remember those? Like the, very, like the Olympic shoes that they had in 2008? That's the best basketball shoe ever to me. That's a good question. Yes, because the first time we played the Warriors in Golden State, oh God, I played like eight seconds, and Steph scored on me in that eight seconds too. But that was the first time. That was like when I was barely getting to play. And then the second time when they came to us, that's when I just got called back up. So he was the first person to really like welcome to the NBA me. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like every time I looked up, I felt like he was making a three. And then the next year they came back, and I think he had like 16, 17 points, but he only had like a few on me, so I kind of figured out how to guard him. But really, you can't limit a guy like that to however many points because he's, he's one of the best players in the world. So, so, so what do you do mentally going into guarding Steph Curry? Are you saying 25 tonight, that would be a victory for me, or is it 30, or is it just don't get embarrassed? Honestly, with guys like that, like the top 10 guys in the league, like you can't really put a number on how much you're going to try to limit them to. You're just going to tell yourself, like, try to contain them, make them work for every bucket. And at that point, like, it's in God's hands, really, because it's, it's the best players in the world. And so it can be great defense sometimes, a lot of the time, and it, it's just better offense. And that's the thing that we say a lot. We say great D, better off. Okay, Doris, a shot. I mean, I know this one is a little bit open, but we won't let the sound come out. You're, I mean, the president, Pat Riley, one of, I mean, I mean probably one of his better friends, Mickey Harrison, the owner. Uh, I mean, a funny duo. If you've seen him, you know him. Uh, if you haven't seen him, it's both slick hair. One of them owns a cruise line ship, and the other one, or not a ship, but a lot of cruise liners. And uh, actually, Mickey Harrison, det var ham, der, der sendte sin, en af sine både til Barcelona i 92, da Dream Team boede der. Så gik der et eller andet galt, så sendte han den næste, så kunne de bo på den. Uh, spillerne boede inde i byen, men, men hele NBA-holdet og trænerstaben boede ude på, på båden. What kind of guys are they? I mean, obviously they're rich, they've been successful, uh, they own a team and they lead a team. And we've heard about Pat Riley being... A little physical, uh, but what, what, what kind of what kind of guys are they? Um, Mickey is very intriguing. I don't know if anybody knows Mickey Harrison in here. Uh, maybe not, but he always has the same face. Like he's always making the same face. Like it's always this little smile. It's just like 
And it's like, it literally doesn't, it, the sky could be falling. And he would still, like, have that face. Like, I remember we got beat by, like, 26 my rookie year at our house. And I just walked by him in the hallway, and it was like nothing even happened. And then Pat is just, he's very intimidating. You know, if you don't know him, if you've never met him, like, he, it's Pat Riley. Like, he's a big icon. But, yeah, he's a godfather. And he's a great contact to have in Miami, by the way, too, if you need anything. But, no, he's, Pat's super cool. Like, surprisingly, like, he's real easy to talk to. Um, he does talk a lot. But, I mean, he's very knowledgeable. Like, he's – anything you really need to know about, I feel like he's kind of, like, a maven of sorts. Like, he just knows something about everything. Yeah, and how many rumors is there about Miami? I'm not – I can't really figure out where you guys are at, if you are rebuilding, if we're doing this or that. But there is a free agent season coming up, so there might – there's some signings, there's some possible things. There's also some trade rumors. Uh, how does that affect uh, the team, and how do you react to that? Um, you know, well, I was actually in a trade rumor earlier this year, like when the season started with Jimmy Butler, and I kind of, like, didn't know how to – go about that because it never happened. So I was kind of like stressing over it a lot. But um, I mean, when you when you get in stuff like that, you can't really look into it too much. You can't buy into it too much because then it starts affecting other stuff. So I mean, you see it, take it for what it is. But I mean, whatever happens really happens <laughs> because we don't have any input on it. How, how did you hear about that rumor with Jimmy Butler? How did, you, how did it come to you? Twitter. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, actually, my agent kind of told me that they were it, they were thinking about it and it was a thing. So, uh, you know, I was kind of preparing for it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, what can you really do about it? So I just, you just try to play through it. Like, this, this is all you can do. Uh, yeah, actually, growing up, I was big in football, like American football. <laughs> I know there's a difference. But... You said what? Hand egg. I like that, actually. I'm not sure. Like, now that I've gotten into, like, soccer, like, football, the other football doesn't really make much sense now that I think about it. But <laughs> who am I to tell these people that? So, I, but I was, like, big into that. And then I hit a growth spurt, and, like, I kind of started paying more attention to basketball. Uh, I played baseball. When I was younger, I ran track, and that's about it. But now I love, like, football, like, football. That's, like, my favorite sport now besides basketball. And is it true? Are you an Arsenal fan? Is that what I've heard? What? Uh, I, I. <laughs> Who we got? Who we got? We got Spurs fans? Tottenham? Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea, Liverpool. Denmark, Denmark is big on Liverpool and Manchester United. Oh, <laughs> it's about it's about what I feel about United right now. I mean, everybody's running away. Just one guy left. <laughs> Lukaku is leaving. I know you 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 got an eye on tennis now as well. I mean, uh, is it a has it helped you with all these different sports? And, and, and how do you focus? What do you see? What attracts you in soccer and tennis and all these other sports when basketball is your, is your living? Because when you're in the NBA, it's, 
it's, it's easy to let your life, like, revolve around basketball. Like, it's super easy. Like, you're, you're in the gym every day. You're getting treatment every day. Even on off days, you're still going to the gym. You know, if I have a bad game one day, then I, I used to let that ruin, like, my whole week. Like, and I would just not talk to anyone. And I start realizing that. And I play a lot of FIFA. So there's that. That's how I really got into soccer. And uh, the way that, you know, soccer teams have to, like, play so together and the way that you can, like, dominate the whole game and still slip up one time and lose is, like, very interesting to me. And then football, like, I just grew up around it. So that was kind of my thing. So I've always kind of liked football. And in tennis, uh, my mom is obsessed with Serena Williams, actually. So I was kind of, like, forced to watch it growing up. And then um, my friend, I met, I met my friend Sasha Sferov uh, this past year, and he's playing in Wimbledon this year, actually, so I'm going to be out there for that. But being able to watch him has been cool, too. Uh, Sasha, one of the guys coming to the games in Miami, one of the, I, I wouldn't say few, because you guys are a popular ticket, but there's also a lot of guys showing up for the third quarter. Uh, I mean, it looks like the, I mean, the guys with the season tickets, it's almost like they're sitting at home watching the game. Oh, this looks like a good game. I'm, I might go. Uh, is that a struggle for you guys uh, playing with semi-half empty seats? I mean, even though we know that the tickets are sold? It's actually a thing in Miami, like, we all know, like, we, we talk about it sometimes. Like, everybody knows that if you're going to go to the Miami Heat game, everybody's going to be late. Like, everybody's going to get there halfway through the first quarter in the second quarter. But by the third quarter, it's going to be sold out anyway. So you just got to bring your own energy, really. Spongebob, yep. I had that one here. Good one. Who's the best trash talker? Who's uh, put you in place? Who's the, the, the guy that we should bleep out the most? Um, oh, funny story. Oh, God. Tony Allen. You remember Tony Allen from the Grizzlies? So this was two years ago, my second year. We're playing against the Grizzlies. This was crazy because we played the Grizzlies in Memphis on Wednesday, and we played them in Miami on Thursday. So Wednesday, we went there, we won. I had like 24 points. Tony was guarding me. I had a couple good moves on him, and I was kind of letting him hear about it. You know, it's just what happens. Like, you got to do that. And then they come to Miami the next day. Sorry, what, what do you tell him? What do you tell him? You, you know, give him a little push. You can't guard me. You're too short. Or like, <laughs> he needs help. So you're telling the coach? Uh, the teammates. They're like, you know, just, but nothing crazy. You, I mean, Tony Allen's not a guy you want to trash talk, though. But you did it. I just did one of these and kind of gave him a look after a move, you know. But he went to Oklahoma State, so there's a respect there. And I was like, I was a big fan. But the next day, they come to Miami. <laughs> and so I had, like, like 13 points in the first half. like, And it was a close game. And then I hit a good move on him as soon as the third quarter started. And... I made the shot and I'm running back. <laughs> and he just runs by me and goes, I got $100 you don't score again for the rest of the game. And I didn't score again for the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and it was crazy because I came off a ball screen and I tried to like make a quick whip pass, like over the head, like baseball. Like I tried to beam it over across the court. 
and he just sticks his hand up and just catches it in the air and just goes and dunks. And I was just like, ah, it's going to be a long night. But surprisingly, Joe Ingles is a very big trash talker. I think he's one of the biggest in the NBA right now. Did you pay the $100? Is that a thing, or was it just talk? It was just talk. It was just talk, okay. Yep. Oh, what's the best thing about playing basketball? The best thing about playing basketball is the competitiveness. I really like being able to line up against somebody and, like, make it a game within another game and see if I can outperform that person. Okay, so it's not anything with jewelry, cars, girl. I mean, it's just extras. Yeah, that's gravy. That's gravy. Okay. <laughs> yep. Who's the Who's the greatest of all time? Michael Jordan. Uh, who's Who's getting close? We take Jordan out of the picture. LeBron James. LeBron. Oh, LeBron James, number two. Yep. What's the most important thing from D Wade? Um, my rookie year, um, you know, it was kind of a running theme because I was kind of like known, I got known as a gym rat pretty early in Miami, and he told me that just the game gives you back what you put into it, and I had to think about it for a little bit, but I mean, it kind of speaks for itself. Like, if you're in the gym working every day, you're doing the right stuff, then it's going to show up in the game, and if you're not, if you're not working, and you, I mean, it's gonna show, like, you're shooting 20% from the field, get in the gym, you know what I'm saying? And, and that should start, I'm not saying it's gonna go from like 20 to 50 overnight, but I mean, that, that percentage should start raising up and your confidence will start raising up, you know? If you're in the gym every day, then you're confident in your moves and in your shots. We guys saw the NBA Finals, not this year, but some years ago when they were racing the red banners, meaning the game was almost over. I mean, these guys start circling now. That means, I mean, it's about time they're clearing the exits for you to get away. Last question. Sister spørgsmål, er der nogen, der har et, inden de smider os helt ud? Way back there. The best game, you never played, you haven't played that one yet, have you? Have you played the best one? No. What's the best one you played so far? Um... I think the best I played so far was probably this season um, in Golden State. Um, I had 37 points that game, and we lost in overtime. It was unfortunate. But uh, I remember me and Steph were matched up, and I, I came out, and I had like 11 straight out the gate. And I got – actually, my coach took me out, and I was pretty pissed about that. Like, I, I wasn't happy. But – and I went back in, though, and I, it was just like constant, like, Myself and Justice had like 26 this game, and so that was probably like a game where the goal looked like it was like huge. Like I feel like anything I threw up was going in. All right, should we give him a hand? Good job, good job, man. good job. So we learned a lot of things. We learned a lot of things about Josh Richardson. I'm sure that you got a lot of new fans here. I think it was a great interview. Thanks for opening up. Thanks for sharing. It was very interesting. And, uh, and we know, and we're going to, I mean, we're going to be sorry for you if you're hurt, because you're being hurt. If that happens, we're not hoping. But now we know that it's going to be hard for you if you're hurt. So if you're really hurt, you are really hurt. If I'm not playing, y'all know I probably, like, broke something or, like, like almost tore something. <laughs>
and we're not hoping for that, but just now we know. Ingang Silas Gimmel Hunt, Josh Richardson. Tag en øl med. Jeg tror, det er gratis øl, har jeg hørt noget om. <laughs> tak fordi I kom. Sørg for at komme tilbage igen, når vi kan gøre det her en anden gang. Det har været super hyggeligt. Tak for i dag. Josh Richardson. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.